Hi, welcome to the Treehouse. My name is Miss B, and I am an SLPA and a clinic lead at Therapy Tree Glendale. And I'm Alex G, the digital marketing coordinator here. So I do all the photos, video, and stuff you see on social media. Welcome, welcome, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about the importance of play. Alex, any ideas of what that could mean? So basically, playing all day is really important and we, we should highly <laughs> encourage it. You know, yeah, maybe not playing all day because I think that we would all love to play all day. Sometimes, you know, yeah, but um, no, you're definitely on the right track. So this is just ways, um, you know, for different clinicians to, um, you know, kind of tap into what different um, play stages there are, what different play types there are and ways that we can utilize play to not only like build a rapport with our clients in session, but to um, just, you know, have fun and make your sessions memorable, make memories last and really increase your target goals for your client. So I shouldn't quit my job and then just play all day and try you to know, convince my boss. <laughs> it might be fun. <laughs> I don't know. Marketing's fun, but we do get to play a lot in speech. So it's really, really great and rewarding. But um, yeah, we're just going to talk about those different techniques. So let's go ahead and dive right in. So starting off, um, just a little bit of background about me. I personally love play. And I think it's because secretly, I mean, I feel like I'm maybe 10 in my head. I love Spider-Man, Star Wars, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, currently not dressed as Spider-Man, but typically I am. So <laughs> as you know, that's what she does when she goes home. Exactly. I just, I find my lightsabers and I practice because a Jedi, you always have to be prepared. But, um, you know, play-based therapy is, like I mentioned before, just a way to um, connect with your kid on their level. And um, not just, you know, your client, but, you know, your child at home, if you're a parent listening in today. Um, and, you know, there's so many different ways to kind of take play and, uh, you know, make it your own and also, you know, let the child kind of lead so that you're following their lead and they trust you. They build that rapport. They build those memories. And so um, I'll, you know, start off by saying uh, that there are actually five different stages of play in the speech world. Would you like to know what they are, Alex? Yes, I would. <laughs> Great. So stage one, we've got onlooker play, which is watching and observing. We've got stage two, which, which is solitary play. And that's where um, the child is playing by themselves. We've got parallel play, which is playing near others, but not really engaging with others. You're just kind of near them and, you know, in their proximity. Um, then we have stage four, which is associative play. And so that's where you're playing with others. But sometimes uh, the child is playing, you know, by themselves as well. And then we've got cooperative play, which is super fun. Um, and that's playing with others. Um, and you're, you know, not continuing to play without your partner. So you're playing together to, you know, reach an end to, you know, maybe you guys are building something together. Maybe it's a board game. So cooperative play would be that. I didn't even know there was five different stages of play. That's really interesting. Yep. There's a lot going on. <laughs> Can you kind of go into each one and sh 
explain to me like what that looks like? Yeah. So onlooker play is um, usually, you know, with children who are, you know, one year old or under. um, And it's where they're just watching and observing. And so, you know, if you're taking a little push toy and, you know, pushing the top and like balls spin around, then they're watching you and observing and basically taking in how others play so that they can learn by that. And so it's just, you know, they're onlookers while you're playing. And during that time, do you ever let them play or they just strictly observe the whole oh, time? Yeah, definitely. And so that's when, you know, the you're taking that different stage and you're modifying it into something that we call structured play. And so all of these, you know, um, once, you know, you're in that stage, and you kind of identify where the child's at then structure play is just like the natural progression where you're structuring it to either meet them at their level and grow from there or, um, you know, stay within that level so that, you know, the child benefits and masters their goals at that level. And then you can move on, you know, from there. So, um, yeah, onlooker play, usually for the itty bitties, they're super cute. And it's a really great way to just teach them like, you know, really simple skills like push, you know, um, uh, catch uh, for OTs and things like that. Um, and, you know, rolling a ball, really simple stuff. So little tiny babies and actions. Okay. And then the second one, solitary play. Yeah. So solitary play is the stage where children are playing by themselves. And so, you know, you might see that around, you know, one to two year old, um, just, you know, engaging by themselves with uh, little play sets. It can be with those same toys, just, you know, they're by themselves and so you kind of what i like to do if i have a solitary player is let them lead because i know that the second i come in they're going to be like uh no thank you and so (laughs) that's usually when the melee starts and so you really want to make sure that you know you're kind of uh letting them lead and maybe that's where you progress to the next stage which is parallel play and so you know if you have a solitary player who really gets upset if somebody else comes into play then um you know you don't want to immediately jump to taking their toys because then it's going to either a look like work and not be fun or it's going to really upset them because they don't think that that toy is going to come back and they don't understand it yet so that's where you know a natural progression would be that parallel play which is stage three so you can progress from any of these like do you progress in order from one to two to three to four to five or is it kind of just mix into each other? They kind of mix into each other. Um, and so, you know, when we get uh, goals, um, at, you know, in speech therapy that are set by our evaluators, um, they're the ones that kind of look and determine that, you know, either through parent report or, um, you know, just their evaluation uh, itself. And so they'll kind of identify where the kid is at and then base their goals on that. And so you can, you know, mix and it's really fun to see that natural progression. Like I was saying with um, a stage two kid to a stage three, I've had a lot of kids, especially um, children on the spectrum who are, um, you know, solitary players. And so they come in and they're like, uh, this is my barn. These are my animals. Please do not look or touch. And so, you know, you're kind of a, just like uh, between a rock and a hard place. Cause you're like, oh, wait a minute, I got to get my data, but also I want to play with you and show you that you know it's going to be fun i promise and so um usually in those cases after i kind of you know see that that's where the child is at i will um prepare 
two sets of animals sometimes, or I will only give them a little horse and I'll take a cow. And so we'll do the parallel play where, you know, we're in that stage three and we're playing near each other, but not interacting. And so a lot of times um, the child will um, see that and they'll bring their horse over to my cow all of a sudden. And now we're doing, you know, the next stage and we're associating moo and, uh, you know, nay and all of these things, but it's together. But they've formed that trust because I, you know, respected the stage that they were at. And you don't really want to push. You just want to play and model, make it fun, make it engaging. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see that natural progression just happen. But you don't want to, like, expect a kid to build a bike before they can walk, you know. Right, exactly. It's just you got to go in those stages and make sure that you're really respecting them and building that rapport that way. Um, Is it all dependent on the child, like how long it takes from for them to get from one stage to the other yeah a lot of times you know um you can and a lot i'll preface this by saying uh yes and no i feel like you know sometimes parents try things or therapists too will try things one or two times and they're like "Mm, doesn't work and then they move on to something and it complicates things but you gotta kind of like try and give it time to grow and kind of analyze what you're bringing to the table because maybe what you're playing with isn't that fun. And so, you know, you don't think about that. Like, oh my gosh, every time I bring out the barn, he doesn't want to play with it. Maybe he's a car kid. And so that's where as a clinician, it's really important to um, get to, you know, talk to the parents and say, what are these preferred items? What can I bring to the table to make this play engaging because a lot of times you know um i have kids who you think you know you have little girls and you're like oh they want to play with the ponies and then i have like two or three little girls who are like "Mm -mm, give me the spider-man and so i'm like that's my girl because you know (laughs) that's where i'm at i'm a comic book kid and so um it's just really fun to see you know but i had to get like that insight from the parents because i was bringing something non-preferred to the table and expecting these kids to like move mountains with me but it wasn't me respecting their play pattern and you know the things that made them tick the things that motivate them you know yeah I guess I never thought about that I would just assume that you know girls like to play with the Barbies but I like the basketball myself so uh it makes sense so many kids it's like um there's some things where you can even you'll bring out like an actual toy like a beautiful Fisher Price like play set and we have so many cool like actual like farm sets dollhouses all of these things and then the thing that motivates the kid is me like knocking a car off the table and going oh no and so it's like our table table. right (laughs) thanks tiktok but it's so silly because you know all these things and that's where you know building that rapport comes in because then you're like oh i realize that this kid loves when i make really high-pitched silly action noises or you know exclamation noises like oh no wow whoopsie and so you know that's where the kid is really motivated you might not even need a lot of toys at all you might just need a car that knocks off the table or a box that you stack up you know things on top of and push and so really learning those play patterns and those motivators is a big component of play-based therapy so a lot of the in the beginning it's just a lot of testing right like you're trying to see you know what gets this child's attention what's going to motivate them to grow yep 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 you're yeah, right on the money. And so it's a lot of, it seems like trial and error, but you know, it, in the end, I've learned more about the way that I do therapy 
based on what child-led therapy or play-based therapy has shown me. So the kids are really, sounds cheesy, sorry, everybody, but, you know, the kids are teaching me because I'm, you know, saying, oh, well, the books say this, or, you know, my data says this. And sometimes that data, you know, you're going to get the data, you know, either you get it and it's a, you know, 0% or you get it and it's an 80% accuracy or whatever for the day. But it's that progression. Um, and I know that, you know, at Therapy Tree, um, one of our core values is we're looking for, uh, I'm looking right at the, um, oh wait, which one is it? Here it is. We're looking for, um, perfection is not the goal, but progress is. So we have this, these cool little posters in the office we're in. Um, and that's so true because not every session is going to be perfect. Not every, you know, interaction with these kids is going to be perfect. It's a lot of that trial and error, especially in play-based therapy. And so when you're looking for progress over perfection, there's, you know, it kind of opens up just so much more room for growth, not for your, like, not just for the kid, but for yourself as well. And it's, you know, a lot more beneficial in the end. Do you have like a detailed story of a child you worked with where you really saw them going through these stages and growing? Yeah, I do. Um, I have one a little girl in particular that I'm thinking of who um, she was super, super cute. We, you know, she came in and it was actually in my first year as a uh, SLPA. And so I was like fresh out of school and this was my first speech job. And I was just like, what am I doing? Who am I? Whoa. And so there's a lot of those, you know, existential questions that you ask. But um, this little girl really had a tough time with um, transitioning into the clinic. And so like she would either have to be carried in and she would, you know, cry a lot. And it was when we were at um, one of our smaller clinics. So we're in a bigger um, campus now, but it was a very small little office. And so like the room that she needed to be in was literally, you know, like 10 steps away from the entrance. And so she um, would either have to be carried in and she would be like screaming because she didn't know what to expect. And she was just not a fan of it and so I like you know tried all of these different toys all of these different songs and nothing was really clicking and so finally I just asked her you know um grandmother and her mom I said um you know what's what's the thing that you know makes her happy and they said she loves this little toy chick like she has a little baby chick I said we'll bring that in let's see what we can do she comes in she's got this little baby chick she's walking in you know and she's you know a little tentative but she's still you know coming in she's participating because this little chick is with her so I finally like I you know laminated I think it was about 50 or like 100 chicks and I lined up the office entrance um so I you know took these little baby chicks took them from the entrance all the way to um the like treatment room and it was like a completely different kid because we sang a song about following the baby chicks to the door um all of a sudden you know everything was chick themed and so it was little chickens here little hens here all of our games all of our songs were you know based around that she was still targeting her goals you know it was like simple direction following eye contact goals but now it was motivating for her. And so that was, you know, kind of the breakthrough for me, like, oh, wait a minute, like not every kid wants to play with every toy. And if you think about it, it's like, if somebody expected me to talk about sports, they would be at a loss because (laughs) (laughs) they're not getting anything. I mean, even for the Super Bowl, um, I wasn't, you know, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I went to a Disney princess concert. So I'm saying (laughs) like, 
my sports <laughs> it would not motivate me it would actually do the opposite and so um you know you got to find that thing that motivates a kid just because it's not just you know for getting your data or you know making the session go well but it's respecting them as individuals you know no matter what the age is it respecting them as an individual and meeting them at their level and making this experience of therapy fun and engaging for them as you know who they are is much more beneficial in the end and you'll find that your sessions go easier that the kids more willing to work with you so it's just all around you know a great thing once you find that motivator so it's just really beneficial to everyone everybody wins at the end of Mm -hmm. it you know Mm -hmm. so now i need to go home call my parents and tell them that they didn't play enough with me when i was a child yeah yeah and they didn't give you yeah (laughs) (laughs) mom and dad i I wanted a basketball (laughs) exactly (laughs) we can do basketball and theater so yeah (laughs) definitely and so just to remind me what exactly are the benefits of play so there's so many, um, you know, benefits, like we were just talking about how motivating it can be, how engaging, you know, and then overall building just that rapport and that experience, like that engaging experience of therapy. But, um, you know, just looking at it, you know, clinically, it helps, you know, maintain um, increased attention with uh, an activity, an object or just other people in general. So it can help increase attention. Um, it can improve their participation, um, you know, just through either structured activity or unstructured. A lot of times we'll um, get little kiddos who kind of have fleeting attention. And so they'll play with something for like 30 seconds and they're like, mm, I'm done and move on. So it helps, you know, build that attention and that focus on, you know, an item for an extended amount of time, which translates to not just play, but um, think about like circle time at preschool. So if you get a little kid who is working on, you know, attention and focus, when they get to circle time or something non-preferred at a school-based setting, they're going to be like, see ya, and, you know, get up, do what they need to do, but not focusing on the task at hand. So that really increases those skills as well. Um, You can, you know, again, help build positive adult and child interactions, social skills, socializing with unfamiliar people, socializing with peers, um, and then, you know, just overall looking for that progress of their specific, like, target goals that you're working on. That's great. That's a lot of benefits of literally playtime, which is fun for both the adults and the children. Yeah, it's crazy how much play can like just benefit so many other skills that you're not even looking at. And it's just like that holistic approach to therapy that really makes things memorable and, you know, just you know, long lasting. I think I need to relive my childhood and just start playing as you know, an adult more. That's what I tell myself with every lightsaber purchase. I'm just like, it's play based therapy. That's, that's <laughs> yes, what I'm doing. It's beneficial <laughs> towards yes, my health. Yeah, of course, I need that full size Spider Man costume. Come on. So yeah, it's it's benefiting your mental health. No, <laughs> it's it's definitely really fun. And you know, it's the more that you make, uh, just as a professional um, in this setting, because I've all you know, I was an intern at um, a school, and you. You know, I only got to do play-based therapy with one group of kids. It was like a group of, I think, three preschool kids. And that was the most fun that I had when I was there because, you know, I was in their circle time. I would get to go and do their pretend play. And it was a lot of kids who, for some reason, I I don't know if it was just this particular school or this particular group of kiddos, they would always try to put, like when we were doing, you know, kitchen play, they would put weird things in my, like, cups or bowls. So they were trying to make me eat, like, like 
tires and all these other things. And I did not <laughs> understand. Unhealthy. Yeah, I didn't like that play pattern uh, particularly. It was pretty funny. And so I was like, okay, guys, every time I sit down, you're putting carrots in my juice. And it was just the weirdest thing. Or they would try to make me eat a doll. So I didn't understand that one. And I was like, let's try it this way. And so put real food in Yeah, there. exactly. I would try to yeah, make a five course meal. But um, the, it was really cute. And that was when I had the most fun was in that group. Um, because then it wasn't, you know, so stagnant and it wasn't so, you know, like cut and dry. There was, you know, the children would lead or I could lead. And it, you know, again, I have those fun memories just because it, you know, we were playing. And so that was really beneficial. Um, you know, just in my, you know, intern days. And then when I came to, um, you know, work here, um, which is, you know, outpatient pediatric therapy, um, I found that, you know, it, even though it was like a different setting, that play still carried over with me and that playful spirit and that play based like knowledge still carried over. And, you know, now we're sitting in rooms and not a big preschool classroom, but you can still have fun. You can still, you know, get on the floor, do some floor time with the kids, uh, do that child led therapy. So no matter the setting there, you know, there's always time to play and there's always room for growth. <laughs> you know, within that playtime. Yeah, I always feel like if something's fun, you'll pay attention to it more, learn from it more. And kind of with that, we want to give you guys something to take away from this episode. So is it that time, Miss B? Oh, yeah. It is our treehouse takeaway time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. So today we are talking how to use a potato three ways. And no, we're not talking culinary. Darn. Yeah, and we're not talking mashed. Alex, I see yeah, you're salivating over there. No French fries. <laughs> no, Fine. no, no. No waffle fries. Oh, no, delicious. my God. No, we're talking about Mr. Potato. Um, and so, you know, he's in, in every household. There is a potato to be found. And if not, you know, you can utilize, uh, you know, dolls or maybe animals. Um, but we're just going to be talking specifically about Mr. Potato Head. And so um, I'll give you three uh, quick tips or, you know, goals that you can work on at home to um, use that play-based approach to um, increase what we call expressive and uh, receptive language. And so it's, you know, speaking and listening, basically. Um, And so one is simple direction following. That is, you know, having the direction of put on eyes, give me ears, you know, to either have the child make their own potato or help you make one. So simple direction following, you know, number one. Uh, You can also work on matching. And so I know that OT, a lot of times in occupational therapy, they'll do um, matching activities or, you know, kind of like scavenger hunt type things just to help with, you know, uh, visualization for kids. Um, And so you can have, you know, make a potato and then take it apart and have your kid put it back together. So then you're remembering, you're doing some recall, you're remembering, you know, where specific parts go. So that helps build that skill. Um, And then last, um, we can look at labeling items. And so with that, really simple, prompting your kid, what's this? Eyeballs. (laughs) What's this? arms. And so, you know, um, you can do it with body parts, colors, um, clothing, because Mr. Potato Head wears clothes. And so, um, yeah, those are just three quick tips that you guys can use to um, target um, expressive and receptive language at home with Mr. Potato. 
And this whole time, I just thought you can just take his eyeballs out and put them back in. Oh, now he far is a teaching tool. <laughs> yes, he's there to teach and help. Trust me. So, yes, please try it at home. Comment, DM us, let us know how it goes. Go out and buy a Mr. Potato Head. We're about to make you a lot of money, Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, cut us, cut us in, Mr. Potato. <laughs> Be our sponsor. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys, for joining us today. What? are we going to be doing next week? So next week, I'm very excited. We're going to have a special guest, a child guest star will be joining us and we'll be talking about just, you know, existential things. What is love? What is love? Yeah. Beautiful things like that. What is life? And so we'll That's find really out. deep for the child. Yeah. We'll I'm see. kind we of might, excited. Yeah, we'll see what he brings to the table. He might be teaching us a lot of uh, really good, you know, tips on love and life. That's so. right. I don't even know what love is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting too much. Let's get out of here, Miss B. I know. The tears are flowing. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope to see you next week. Bye. Bye.